And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 652. Continuing our team-by-team previews to get you ready for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. And we're going south of Mead to Southern California, almost to Mexico, depending on how you look at geography here, to San Diego, the whale's vagina for this one, to talk about the San Diego Padres. And it's a fun team that lost a couple pieces from last season's team, but it's still going to be a fun team that should put up some runs in a Maybe pick up some dubs along the way to help me preview this team for the fantasy season. A friend of mine, a friend of yours, uh, I know him from Barf and other nonsense we've done along the way. He is a part of the Gilcast, which is one of the, I don't listen to a lot of football podcasts anymore, but Monday morning recap shows with Sammy and crew. Hilarious, just because the dunking that they do on everybody is awesome. Uh, the Read Him and Weep Poker podcast is a fun one as well as he's, you know, like a semi-pro poker player in the evenings when he when he when he shadows at that. And you can find him on Twitter at Sammy Reed FI. Sammy Reed, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. You know, you you gave the Padres a better introduction than I would have given them. It's I try. You know, when when people have asked me to do Padres previews the last couple of years, I've been like, oh hell yeah, like let's go. And now I'm like a little bit less excited. You know, it's just like feel like the Padres kind of took their shot and we missed. And now it's like, okay, now we're now we're in for the rebuild. And you look at like parts of the team, parts of the lineup, you're like, dude, who are these guys? This is like major league. It's like these guys are yeah. shitty. Yep. You know, this guy's dead. So you know, <laughs> there's there's still some fantasy goodness around, but not nearly as much as there was last year. Yeah, I'm like I, I'm glad you said it because when I was putting this outline together, I literally copy and pasted last year's and erased key pieces. I usually add in the new players. I started going down roster resource, and I was like, Literally, like you said, who who are these guys? Like, what are we doing here? So we're going to talk about them. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if there's another move or two along the way this offseason. But we'll see. Maybe I'm in the minority there. Uh, before... There better be, let me tell you. Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for you on this. I'm trying to stay optimistic on this. Bright side is you'll beat the Giants. Let's put it that way. Um, before we get into the players and whatnot, what were your thoughts on the 2023 season? Like, was it like, well, I'll just leave it to the floor. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, pretty much bitterly disappointing, you know, that we, the the Padres, and, you know, it's always a little annoying when we say we, like I did something, but, you know, we beat the Dodgers in the playoffs in 2022, had a great shot to, you know, take home some hardware, really get it, because we slayed the beast, then we got beat by Philly, and then you come back the next year, full season of Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back, and you're like, yo, this is the squad, I mean, this team is deep, this team is good, this team can contend, and instead, we didn't even make the playoffs. And certainly, there was some bad luck in terms of like expected outcomes versus actual outcomes. But the reality is, this team pushed all their damn chips in and didn't get it done. And so, as a Padres fan, like the dude, the San Diego is like low key a cursed sports town. You know, everyone talks about you know Cleveland, you know, yeah, Buffalo, you know, whoever it is. And it's like San Diego, the city has never won a major championship. They don't have an NCAA championship. Uh, San Diego State lost in the in the finals a couple years ago. Uh, the Clippers never won anything. Left town. The pot. The the Chargers never won anything. Left town. The San Diego Padres have never won anything. This team, this city, has never won a major championship. You know, and it's like nobody really talks about it. Nobody really cares. But I feel it as like a San Diegan. Like I feel it in my bones. It's painful. And so to you know really have that opportunity last year and not get there, and then trade away Juan Soto. You know, you trade away Ted Williams, and then your arch rivals get Babe Ruth. It's just yeah. like, dude, this sucks. I mean, it is just 
down extremely bad right now. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. It, uh, like, I, like I said, you said you did the show with me last year. We've talked Padres for a while. Things looked pretty good, pretty, pretty good there for a bit. And uh, Snell's not coming back. You mentioned Soto's gone. So we got to see what we can do with the pieces in place. And again, hopefully they add another couple pieces along the way. Otherwise, you're stuck in third place, ter- uh, you know, purgatory because the D-backs and the Dodgers are just going to run the West for a little bit here. Yep, yep. But um, let's kick it off with Mr. Machado. Manny Machado this is a guy that um, expectations have been high. Last year battled an injury for most of the season, though. 30 homers, three steals, 258 average. You know, wasn't a horrific season, but not what you expect from Manny Machado, obviously. Um, ADP right now is 71, as there's maybe questions of will he be ready on opening day. They're saying DH out the gate, which is promising. What's your thoughts on Machado going into this year? Because like, I'm optimistic, but I could be crazy. No, I'm pretty optimistic about Machado, too. Like, the injury is something that he should be able to play through. Obviously, as you said, he'll probably DH at the beginning of the season. But if you can hit, you can hit, right? And you look at kind of what the projections are spitting out. And I think ATC has them for 269, 29 homers, 6 steals, 79 runs, 91 RBIs. In 140 games. So that's like baking in some some risk right there, you know, to only have them at 140 games. And when you plug that into an auction calculator, you come out with 18.4 bucks. And that's the same as like Gunnar Henderson is coming out at. Except Gunnar Henderson's going 29th overall. And like you said, Machado's, you know, right around 70th. So, you know, Machado's one of those guys that, I mean, he's never really failed when he plays. You know what I mean? He gets it done. The guy's a, a, an amazing ball player. And so I actually think there's quite a bit of value with Machado at his ADPs. You miss some of those big third basemen, maybe don't fit your build, or maybe they're guys that, you know, the the Raphael Devers and the Austin Rileys, these early third basemen who are super good. But a lot of players are pretty reticent to take like a dude who's not going to steal in the first two rounds. Yep. And so if that's you, and you're looking down the road and you don't want to like go bargain shopping for, you know, Alex Bregman or whatever. I think Machado really in those middle rounds offers you that kind of upside. I mean, you're not going to be surprised if he hits 30 homers and steals 10 yep. at, at all. So this yep. is a really solid player. And I think he's one of the few Padres. We'll get into some more guys, but one of the few Padres that really offers, I think, a, a lot of upside is ADP. Yeah, and I expect that average to come back up a little bit too, which which would be nice. So I have I have a, a good amount of shares of Machado. I've been buying it on this. His ADP's climbed of late since that news came up about DH, and I'm like, damn yeah. it! Like I, I didn't expect him to miss much time to begin with, and now like the news comes out, so everyone's like, oh wait, we heard it now. We can go for it. So sometimes the perks of drafting early come into play. We'll see where it goes from there. But yeah, I like Machado. I'm I'm still on board with that one. Now, a player that I'm very high on and my co-host on Bubba and the Bloom told me I'm crazy for, and then projections came out, and they did an auction called an auction calculator, like you mentioned, and he rates out like third after the calculator comes out with, I believe, the ATC projections, which is pretty nice. And that's Fernando Tatis Jr., 25 bombs, 29 stolen bases last year, 257. Remember, he only played 141 games because he was finishing a suspension due to PEDs, and right now his ADP is about eight or nine, so you have to pay for him, but... I've had arguments that I'd have him like fifth, sixth, if you really feel like it. I still can't put him over Tucker just yet, but at least I can understand the argument if you want to. Let's put it that way. So what's your thoughts on uh, Tatis? Yeah, probably pretty similar to you, actually. Uh, 
you know, there are very few players in the major leagues who have a legitimate shot at 40-40, right? And for the longest time, it's been Acuna and it's been Fernando Tatis Jr. Like the guy averages 41 homers and 33 steals per 162 in his career. He's 25 years old, you know? So he's one of those guys like this year, I don't mind getting a middle pick. You know what I mean? Because if I get Fernando Tatis Jr., I'm pumped on it. You know, I think the big thing last year was A, the suspension. He, he was guaranteed to miss games. And then B, he was dealing with kind of the fallout of the shoulder injury from the previous year. And you're like, how's that going to affect him? Certainly it did some. Like his batted ball metrics, his power was not at the level that it was before. And maybe it's a little foolhardy to think, okay, it's been a year, like everything's going to go back to normal. But at the end of the day, the guy still went 25-29 in the 140 games. Like, is that the floor? Is that the freaking floor we're dealing with? For me, I'm fine putting him above Kyle Tucker. I'm fine putting him above Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's amazing. But I'm taking Fernando Tatsis Jr. Honestly, I think there's a legitimate discussion between him and Corbin Carroll. I have him over Corbin Carroll. Yeah. I mean, and Corbin Carroll's an awesome player. Awesome, yeah. And he's young. He's what I mean, you know, the guy's the guy's fantastic. But do you expect and I know he, he hit a good number of home runs last year, but like, do you project him to hit over 25 homers? Probably not. I think most of the projection systems have him around 21. And that comes with a good batting average and a lot of steals. Like he's like the new Trey Turner. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's a great player. But is he going to go 40-40? Does he have that upside? No. And Fernando Tatis does. So you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't had to make that call so far, so I'm not quite sure how I'd put it. But I have Tatis fifth overall. Like, it, if I were drafting today, I have him fifth overall. So I'm very high on Fernando Tatis Jr. And if you're, you know, I think once we get to main event season and Strider starts going like three, four, five, something like that, you know, if you're sitting there in a main event and I have the sixth pick or the seventh pick and Fernando Tatis Jr. falls to me, buddy, I'm pumped. Let's go. Yep. Yep, I've had him fall to me in tenth in some DCs already. Like oh, it's yeah. the, it's the greatest thing ever. Like because I've taken him as high as four, so when he falls to ten, I'm like, this is freaking awesome. And like I do enough stupid drafting that I I do differentiate a little bit. I can't have all the Tatis, but there's two things that you said there that really stand out that I is kind of in my like let like let's this is why you take Tatis early pick, and the floor you mentioned the floor is a first round floor already, which is amazing. Like you said, if that's his floor and it is. And the second thing you mentioned, you said 40-40. I think people, maybe I'm just naive in this and overthinking it, I think people are forgetting that before the shoulder injuries, he was like the second pick in drafts because people thought he was the next 40-40 guy. This is who he was. He was J-Rod before J-Rod. Like, this is who Tatis was. Yeah. And he was a shortstop instead of an outfielder. Um, so, but, so that's your big break. Boo-hoo. But, like, literally, I won't argue with Whip. won't argue with J-Rod. Fine. Whatever. But there's no reason that he shouldn't be in that clump too. Yeah. Which is interesting. So yeah. Yeah. With you. All right. Xander Bogarts. I always love Xander because he's just like that boring guy. But if you look at the end of the year, pretty darn good stat line. Like that's just what he does. And last year he stole 19 bags out of nowhere. Like showed he can run first time since 2017, but hits for average, hits for like 20 home runs. There's a little of this, a little of that. It's not like jumping off the page crazy, but it's good. He's got an ADP of around 111 right now. So, Sammy, what are we thinking on Xander Bogarts? Yeah, so now we're going to get into the non-optimistic portion of the program, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, 
you know, Xander's been a real favorite of mine for a long time. I, when he was on the Red Sox, he kind of reminded me of like a kind of poor man's Mookie Betts, like this, this kind of sinewy player who just has these elite bat-to-ball skills and strong in batting average, enough power to matter, hit in the middle of the order. I mean, all these great things. Then he gets to San Diego, right? We gave him the big-ass contract. Oh, yeah, 30-year-old shortstop without power who's not that great at defense. Let's, you know, give him a godfather contract. I'm not bitter about that at all, obviously. But, you know, I think when you look at the overall structure of his game, last year he did steal bases, right? He had 19 stolen bases, a career high. But that came with a 57th percentile speed score. And if you look at this, and this is really common with players who get over over 30 years old, his speed has been declining. I mean, five years in a row, went from 75th to 70th to 67th to 65th to 57th. I'm very dubious that he's going to be able to keep up the steals pace, even in this inflated steals environment. So that part bothers me. And then the other thing is that his hard hit percentage has really fallen off a cliff as well. Right? You look at the stat cast there, 65th percentile, 47th percentile, last year, 18th percentile hard hit rate. And one of the things we liked about him last year is, yeah, he's going to be batting behind Machado. He's going to be batting behind Juan Soto, who's going to be on base 41% of the time. This lineup is not nearly as strong. And so I think the counting stats are in a bit of trouble. I think the speed doesn't play up. You know, his power is declining. I just think this guy is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to throw Tim Anderson vibes out there. But like, <laughs> honestly, like, it, it, I mean, Tim Anderson was one of the worst players in baseball last year. I don't want to, you know, say that I think that's going to be Tatis, but I actually see like a lot of the, the same things in these players. They, you know, they were like, okay, I'm a high average guy. I don't hit a lot of homers and I don't have enough steals, but I can accumulate to get close to 2020 and yeah. that's going to be good. But you know, when, when some of those skills start declining and the end comes fast and, you know, not to say he's at the end, but I, but I don't see at all, like, you know, with those skills declining him, him maintaining that level. Yeah. His profile screams post 200 middle infielder. That's what he screams, not, you know, close to 100 starting shortstop in fantasy. Um, It's interesting. The, the quality of contact metrics, it makes me wonder, um, he talked about the wrist issues and he had the, you know, the cortisone shot last year. And then he apparently had the surgery, but he also said when he had the shot and he took like the week off, he's like, oh, I have to deal with this every year. And when I heard him say that, I'm like, every year, like, what do you like? You know, they have doctors like around here and you guys got like, some of the best in baseball. Like, what are we doing? So, yeah. Did, did you, did you tell Preller about this before you signed the deal? Is that, you know, oh, shit. like he said every year, like if going back to Boston, like, like, why is this an every year thing? Especially when you were young, what are we doing here? Like zero cents whatsoever, buddy. Come on. So yeah, don't, yeah. don't love that. Yeah. I've really never had shares of Xander Bogart. So we're good there. Now I'm really curious to hear your thoughts here. Cause since we're on the negative side of things, but uh house song Kim coming off 17 homers, 38 steals, hit 260. Like I I think we all agree regression is coming. Yes. To what extent is the million-dollar question? Um, but you have to pay for it. He does have second base, third base, shortstop eligibility, which is nice. So that really helps his DC ADP, of course. Yeah. But ADP of 89, like you are paying a premium for this speed asset, um, and I just don't see where that's going to be this year. He screams more Thyro Estrada to me than uh, what we saw last year. But what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm not real optimistic about Kim either, man. It's, you know, I love the player. 
And last year, I, this was one of my big issues with the Padres is you got this career year out of Kim and you still didn't get there. You got a Cy Young year out of Blake Snell. You didn't get there. You got a great year after out of Hader. Didn't get there. Juan Soto was great. Didn't get there. Fernando Tatis didn't get there. This is all IRL stuff, but like, man, that what I don't like doing is paying for people's career years. And, you know, you look at him and, and I love the player, but I hate the price. I mean, as good as he was, he still slugged under 400, right? He was seventh percentile in exit velocity, 11th percentile in barrel percentage. He was third percentile in hard hit rate. <laughs> third percentile. I, 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 think you, like, I think you could do that in your catching day, Sammy. Yeah, dude, I need to go back in a baseball savant and be like, yo, am, am I reading this right? <laughs> Is this, you know, I, I want to like double check. I'm like, that sounds too bad. Wow. But he's being drafted as the 12th shortstop, right? And you just plug, you know, into just to kind of like back check this, you plug ATC into the auction calculator. He comes out as the 18th shortstop being drafted as the 12th. In the sixth round, like I'm good. Like I'm just, I'm just good on it. Like I like the player, you know, I, I think he's got really good IRL value. You know, he's a good glue guy, but you know, for me, like I, I'm not spending my sixth round pick in a, in a 15 team on Hassan Kim, like no freaking way. So. Yep. I'm with you. Like if you were to, if somehow ADP starts falling, it'll be a different conversation in March, but I just don't see it happening. So yeah. that's fun. And you know, I'll enjoy the value next year. Jake Rake Cronenworth didn't really rake last year. Um, two twenty nine average, ten homers after two pretty okay, pretty good seasons for fantasy managers out there. Uh, just a massive nose fall, lost playing time, just a mess all around. But he still is first base, second base eligible if you believe there's a comeback. ADP is three fifty eight, and looking at the team is he should play. So what are we thinking with Jake? Yeah, I mean, I think we shouldn't assign him to that contract. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, the guy had a career year at age 28. Like, let's give him 100 million bucks or whatever it was. It's like the next Whit Merrifield, guys. Yeah. I mean, Jesus H. Christ. I mean, they, there's not really, there's not really a lot of analysis to do with Cronenworth. I, I just think he might not be very good. I mean, that's, that's all. I mean, you look at his stat cast page and it looks like a California blo- uh, voting map, dude. It's like all blue. <laughs> and there's like a splotch of red here and a splotch of red there. And that's it. The, the guy can't hit lefties. He's not hitting for power. He's not running. I mean, you can be eligible wherever the hell you want, bro. Like, if you ain't hitting, you ain't doing it. And and for the last two-plus years, he hasn't really given us a reason to be optimistic on him. You know, I'm, I am I ain't drafting him. Like, no thanks. Yeah, he's not even been close to a radar for me, and I've done a handful of DCs that I just don't even look at him on the draft board. So I, I, I honestly thought he was either going to be platooning or gone, but <laughs> so it's not <laughs> I mean, the case so, so far. It's so bad though. Like, dude, yeah, six like that. It's like, go yeah, be somebody. He'll be there. Now here's a guy I'm like kind of cool on. If you, uh, if you need to wait on catchers, which I don't prefer to do because there's so many of them, but Luis Campusano is a dude I can get behind uh, ADP of 190. We saw some pretty solid hit tools at 319 seven homers in 49 games injuries were kind of not his you know strong suit but the dude looks like he can be a decent uh catcher too if you really need him probably more waiver wire fodder but you never know he's out there and i wouldn't you know say no to it what's your thoughts on Campusano? yeah so Campusano is one of the guys i like um you know you mentioned he hit 319 last year he hit 300 over his minor league career and so 
when you're looking at these guys and he's going as like, you know, whatever the catcher 15, something like that. um, It's hard to find guys down there who can be your catcher too, Mm -hmm. who aren't going to kill you in batting average. Like that's a really rare thing. And you know, the guy doesn't have a ton of power. I think he's, you know, ATC has him projected for 14 homers and, you know, 114 games. And the, and the thing is, I think they actually might be wrong about that playing time. Like, I could see him playing quite a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I could see him playing 125, 130. He might DH a lot, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Who, who's going to play DH? Yeah, yeah. When Machado's healthy enough to play the field, like, Campusano should be DHing on his off days. 100%, man. 100%. Yeah. So I actually think that, you know, you add, you know, whatever it is, you know, 50, 75 plate appearances to him, and you get him like 15, 16 homers somewhere in there, and a pretty decent batting average, like they're projecting him in the 260s. I wouldn't be surprised if he had 270, 275. Like the, the guy's a pretty good average hitter. That's a really good catcher, too. In a yep. pinch, if you just go balls out and you say you're going to be my catcher one, like, okay, in like a 15 team two catcher league, like it's not ideal, but he's one of the guys in that group of like secondary catchers that I'll be targeting. I, I think he's got value. hundred percent. He's a catcher going off the board after Mitch Garver right now, to put it in perspective for those that might not know exactly what ADP that was, but right behind Mitch Garver, which tells you a lot about where people are taking him. And I'm with you. I had him in a ton of DCs last year. I was like my third or fourth catcher. Uh, and then I picked him up on the wire. Cause I just believe that hit tool is great. Just a matter of playing time. Finally got it. So, and I like, is Higashioka really going to take his job if he stays healthy? No. So, no, uh, we got God, that going for us as well. I grouped this last set together for you. You can say oh, just you. pass if you want. I, I wasn't going to make you go player by player here because it was painful to even look at it and type my own. Um, you have Matthew Bat- Batten, I guess. He actually had some weird streaming weeks last year. If you got real frisky, really in DFS, he's like 2K every day. But um, he's supposed to play third with Machado at DH. Yeah, Cal Mitchell, you got Jose soccer good lord um you got a bunch of guys <laughs> anybody else worth even considering on the padres right now yeah it's gonna be a hard no um yeah. you know i mean we we alluded to this earlier but i'm not going to be surprised if we make a couple of moves there's a lot of particularly outfield free agents out there mm-hmm. i do not see how we can possibly go into season no. with these guys in the starting lineup like no, that that would just be an abomination Heinous, heinous, frankly. So, you know, I can see us taking a shot on Adam Duvall. Look at Eddie uh, Rosario. Yeah, Rosario, uh, Chris Taylor, you know, reunions, maybe Tommy Pham, Jerickson Profar. Uh, I I assume, um, rightly or wrongly, that, that like one of these two guys, uh, or one or two of these guys will end up on the squad by the time spring training rolls around. I would not anticipate these scrub asses being in our starting lineup. And and if they are, I mean, just, you know, throw me off a cliff. Like, no thanks. Yeah, no, I saw that. I'm like, I, was, I honestly, like, before I put it together, I'm like, oh, the, the Padres are going to be good again. They're going to be competing with the D-backs for second place. And I saw them like, what is Preller doing? Like, like, like what, <laughs> I mean, what are we, like, I did not expect so this. I did not expect this. What is going on here? Like, the oh, Giants, God. yes, the Giants have just completely given up on life, but what is going on here in San Diego? <laughs> um, but at least we know Preller can sign people. Farhan hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, yeah. I did the Dodgers podcast, and I think I came to the conclusion that Farhan is a mole for the Dodgers because the Giants were linked to Yamamoto. The Giants were linked to this guy. Linked, and they all ended up in, in, in L.A. So just remember that all you Dodgers fans, screw off. Um, Max, maximum pain. Yeah, so that was rough. 
Let's go to the mound here and talk about a couple guys. Like you do have a couple pieces here that have some fantasy value, but we will start with you, Darvish, who has not the value he once had, but it's still I don't know, kind of just the ADP is two hundred six, so it's always yeah. it's hard to just like throw him out with the bathwater because you know it, injuries have been an issue. But before last year, innings were fine, uh, ratios were good. And be, before this last year, still struck guys out though this past year, which was nice. So at that ADP, does Darvish least interest you? Yeah, he does. He does. And and I say this as somebody who drafted Darvish pretty highly last year. Like when he was around in the fifth pick, I'm just like, you know, fist pump Darvish. Yeah, it's lit. And it was, in fact, not lit at all. Um, you know, Darvish is obviously showing significant signs of aging. Another guy we signed to a giant six-year contract. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, great. Like, let's wait till the guy's 36 years old. And, you know, I mean... I, I don't hey, know. At least you didn't defer it all. So when it's done, it's done. The Dodgers <laughs> might reap this one for a long time. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what kind of Coke Preller's been snorting, man. But I mean, Jesus, it's yeah. so bad. But you look at Darvish over the last couple of years, like his K rate's fallen, right? Four years ago, it was 31.2%, then 29.2%, then 25.6%. Last year, 24.6%, which is still fine. But certainly, I mean, at one point, you Darvish was like the MLB's all-time leader in strikeout percentage. It was like him and Jose Fernandez were at the top. And uh, certainly falling a little bit from those heights. You know, he's 37, I think. And, you know, we see those reflected in his swing strike rates, right? Four years ago, it was 14%. Last year, it was 10.7. Um, like you said, the good news is he's got an ADP above 200. So if he's your, I don't know, your, your fourth starting pitcher, he's really good there. Like there are a lot of guys in that region that I like him better than, right? I, I'm I take him over Brandon Fott. I take him over Lucas Giolito. Like, you know, these are pitchers that are going around his range that I would be more comfortable having Darvish there because Darvish has shown, even at his worst, the ability to strike hitters out at an above league average rate, and he also has a good whip. Right. So these are the things, you know, Darvish sucked last year. And I think his whip was like 119. Not terrible. Right. He's not going to Giolito you and just put up like a 140 or something like that. So it, it, I, I think his upside at this point is actually pretty capped. But I think his floor in terms of like the innate skills that he brings to the table, I, I think is a pretty good value where he's going. Yeah. I'm kind of, that's why I was curious your thoughts on because you watch him a lot more than I do. But, like I'm looking at it, are the numbers great? No, but his ADP screams that's where he should be going type thing, and it, it, it's definitely interesting to me to say the least. Here's another guy in Joe Musgrove. I took some chances on him in drafts last year, thinking oh, it's just a foot injury. Cool. Then he comes back and he lost. He's going down. He's he's making it through games, but he's like elbows not right, which started making me not feel good. Apparently, he's ready to rock and roll for the season though. He only threw 97 innings last year, and he was good. He was very good. He was a pitcher. He was making it work. ADP is 100, though. Are you cool with that? You know, that's kind of right on the edge. It's kind of right on the edge. Like, I really like Joe Musgrove, and I think everything you said, you know, really tracks. You know, he he looked really good last year. Um, You know, he's he's a great pitcher. Like, he's he seems like the kind of guy that you throw out there, and he just walks his way to a 320, 330 ERA and a 110 whip. You know, he's going to strike out a guy in inning. You know, last year he had all this stuff going on. And, and he still did it, right? He's just like a, a 20% K-minus walk, just like clockwork. Every year, every year. Really, really solid dude. Uh, had some shoulder issues. They're saying he's coming into spring training with no limitations. One of the things I like, you know, I, I tend to 
not use projections for pitchers nearly as much. I just think there's just like so much volatility there. I'd rather like look at their stuff and, you know, health grades and, and things like this. I think all that's super important, but you know, at, at 157 innings pitch, you know, you plug them into the auction calculator, they give them 157 innings. I think that's really fair. And he comes out as the SP 20, right? He's being drafted as the SP 30. Um, at least since I, I, I think I looked since, uh, no, you're, it's pretty close for sure. Yeah. Like the 20th or something like that. Like, so he's picked 111 in the last couple of weeks, but 100, 110, somewhere in there. SP 30. I think there's value there. Is he a guy that like, I'm especially like, Oh yeah. I can't wait to fucking draft Joe Musgrove. Like here, not necessarily. I mean, I, I'm, I think he's fine. I think I will end up with some, um, cause he's a good pitcher, but you know, the shoulder injuries, these, these things kind of scare me. So I'm not like all in on them by any stretch. And that's where I'm at. Like I was all excited for the value thing. Like I said, foot injury, cool. Let's dance. Let's take the dip. Miss like a couple of weeks. Things are good. And now like I'm sitting there looking at them in drafts right now and I haven't pulled the trigger yet thinking like, what are we getting out of them? Like I do agree. He's the steady Eddie. He probably has a great floor, but how many innings does that floor get type question that makes that conundrum. It's one of those, like, and I think he's a really good player in a 15, in a 12. I don't know if I, I – in a 12, I think I want to take more of a, a risk at that point maybe. I don't yeah, know if yeah, a risk is the right have word. that upside? Like, probably yeah. not. But 15, so that's kind of where I'm at with Musgrove right now. I think he could be very good, but I don't know if the ceiling's there right now with Joe Musgrove. All right, your big offseason acquisition right here, Michael King coming over from the Yankees. We won't get into the details on how he got here unless you feel like it. Wasn't going to go that far. But um, King was actually pretty darn good with the Yankees. I think everyone knows it pretty well. Got up to 104 innings pitch last year as he entered the rotation to finish the season. You had to pay an ADP of 144 for him right after Hunter Green and Chris Sale. Is Michael King on your radar? He is not. Not on my radar, man. Uh, you know, it's it's. I'd like to think it's not out of bitterness that we traded, you know, Ted Williams, Your favorite player of all time, like Michael, Michael King, like Jesus H Christ. I mean, yo, Michael King, like you look great last year, right? Uh, but he's 28 years old and he started 19 career games in the majors, right? Uh, his transition to starting last year was really good, but you know, it's hard to project him for a lot of innings. And certainly, there's upside there, right? He's his strikeout rate has gone up the last couple of years. He really acquitted himself well as a starter, but like. The, the price, like he's going above Ober and Sale and Bryce Miller and and Wu and even Rodon, who is like, you know, a top five SP. I, you know, I, I, I'm taking Rodon over him. And I think I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but like, man, like no, no thanks on, on Michael King compared to these dudes. Like these dudes have major upside. And I just I just don't see that with King, frankly. And, you know, let's call a spade a spade with all these pitchers. Like one of the great things about. Padres pitchers the last couple of years is we were projected to win a lot of games. Not, not so much this year. And if you don't have Manny Machado playing third base for a portion of the season, how good is the defense behind him? I mean, you know, the, the kind of structural things that can make pitchers look a lot better than they are, like aren't really present with the Padres right now. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of a no thanks on that at this price. 
Yeah, I was like pretty excited about the idea of drafting Michael King this year, and then I saw his ADP. I was like, yeah, not a chance. Yeah, because whoa, easy. Like, <laughs> Take like, him over Chris Sale? Like, I'm not even that in on Chris Sale. But, but I'll like, take the chance on Chris Sale all day long. Yeah, if, if, if Chris Sale throws 120 innings and Michael King throws 120 innings, whose 120 innings you think is going to be better? Exactly. I, I think you're outside of your mind if, if you take Michael King over Chris Sale, frankly. Yeah, because I mean, the guys he's going around, you're hoping for like at least 150-ish or so. Like, yeah. Can King even go 150? Like We don't even know that right now. He's got we had 104 I, last year. Highly unlikely. Yeah, so that's kind of my thing is it's – like was this was he was he good to finish the year? He's awesome, but like to do that for a full season and everything, I'm kind of like very skeptical on that one. Uh, rest of the rotation, yeah, I, yeah, um, don't don't want to talk about him. I mean, yeah. we can we can talk yeah. about Avila and his yeah. seven thirty eight eighty p or whatever. That's cool. So we don't have to. I'm just gonna mention it, guys. I, I literally, you know, what I didn't write the second guy down. I was like, yeah, we're just gonna leave that there. <laughs> um, so, is there yeah. anybody else? that we should be keeping an eye on. Like you have Luis Patino. Uh, is, is there anybody else? There's buddy. I, I want to make this podcast go, but there is nobody else. Yeah, no, it's all good. Trust there me. Is nobody. I mean, you know, please bring James Anderson on here and tell him to give us some hope, but I, I don't, I, I, I really don't think there's, there's much coming up from the minors that we're like, Oh yeah, this guy's right on the cusp and you know, he's going to have a big thing. I mean, some of our, some of our better prospects are, are pretty young. Right, you know who I'm ex- interested of when he comes up this year, and I was kind of hoping he starts this. He still might if he has a good spring. Drew Thorpe does interest yep. just because yep. he's, he's cheap, and he actually threw a bunch of innings in the minors last year. Like we're talking about Michael King, like Thorpe could legit throw 150 to 160 if yeah. they let him go. And what do they he, have? He's to a horse, right and I think he I think he showed up like 85th on MLB.com's top hundred. Yeah. So yeah, there could be something there. I mean. Dude, we'll probably need him. That's right? what I'm saying. It's like he's yeah. been like a DC target of mine late. I'm yeah. like, screw it. Like if you're talking innings late, he should have him if he gets him. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I hope this is another place. Go sign somebody. Um, bullpen though, I'm curious what you've heard or your thoughts are here because like Robert Suarez is like was supposed to be the dude, seems to be the dude still. But they went and signed Yuki Matsui, who is a good, good back end reliever slash closer. Um, and they got Wu Suck Go as well. Not Go Go. Well, there you go. Um, he's another one. So they got a couple talented arms that have closed in either Korea or Japan to go with Suarez. So I guess that's a plus when your pitchers don't go deep in the games. So, um, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. So I don't have any like inside information into this any more than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Suarez who. Like you said, I think most people assume that he will get the first crack of the job. And I think that's probably a fair assumption. Um, he throws insanely hard, right? His average fastball is like almost 98 miles an hour. Uh, he's got a 241 ADP. You know, he's actually kind of interesting because he's thrown like, I don't know, like 60 total major league innings or something like that. And he's not real young. Um, you know, one of these, one of these like late blooming flamethrowers who doesn't always have the best idea where the ball is going. Uh, I think that he will get the first crack, like I said, but the guy that I'm really interested in here is Matt Suey. Uh, I think he's a really interesting case. Like he got a good contract, right? Five for 28 million uh, with incentives. I think he can go up to like 33, 34 million. He's super short. He's like five foot eight, listed at 165 pounds, might be generous. He's left-handed. So none of these things scream, this guy's a closer. But there is a couple interesting things about him. Like, number one, 
he's got a real high RPM fastball, right? He gets it up to like, you know, 2,400, 2,400 plus. Um, so it's got really good ride on it. And then he's also going to be one of the few, he's a Japanese pitcher, the guy's got a splitty. And one of the interesting things about this that I didn't realize, I, I read this recently, 96% of all splitters thrown in the major leagues last year were by right-handed pitchers. Interesting. So the major leagues are not used to seeing a splitty coming from a lefty. And could do some damage. Yeah, he could do some damage. So his ADP right now is 411 um, over the last couple of weeks. He's going, that's about the 27th round in a 15-teamer. And that's kind of the kind of guy that I want to take a shot on. Like, I don't want to draft, even though Suarez might be good, he might have the job, like, I don't necessarily want to draft him and be like, yo, like, you know, here's my 13th round pick or whatever that is. I'm getting a closer. This is a bullpen that you want to speculate on. And when you're speculating and you have a kind of ambiguous role kind of thing here, and who knows what happens by the time we start drafting. But I think that, you know, uh, Matsui is the kind of guy that I want to draft. Like, low price, a lot of pedigree. He was he got a lot of saves in Japan, mm-hmm. got the contract. I, I think he's the kind of guy I want to take the chance on here. Yeah, and the big part, like you said, is the contract thing. Like, they could trade Suarez for all we know if things go south. And then it's just, here you go, Matsui. Go, at, go, go get some. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I was – I was kind of surprised when they signed him and then they signed Go also, like a boom, boom. I'm like, wow, you guys are locking up the Asian closing market. That's fun. <laughs> uh, you guys nailed them both. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and the yeah. thing about Matsui is he's a lefty, right? So that that kind of like puts him a little bit behind the eight ball. But, yeah, I mean, not everyone's a hater. Sure. But Hater was our closer last year. Like, we're not opposed to having a lefty back there. I think it's kind of going to be the best man for the job. I appreciate they don't discriminate against lefties. I, I, I As a lefty, I appreciate <laughs> these things. So... Very, very kind of the Padres. You kind of hinted at it. Is there any prospects we should be looking at offensively or pitching wise this year? Is it kind of like um, we're in rebuild mode? Yeah, to to me, it's kind of kind of rebuild mode. I mean, the the highest guys in our system, right? I mean, Salas, uh, the catcher, is a guy that I'm just got his ID, dude. I'm so excited for him. He's I think he's still only 17 years old. I mean, this guy's ridiculous, is man. Like the um, Welsh can't even get close to his schools right now. It's, it's so funny. Like he's he 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 drools over Salas, and I'm like, dude, you're gonna be like, you better watch out, buddy. He's not even 18 yeah. yet. Yeah, but we probably don't see like a guy like Jackson Merrill until next season, uh, probably at best. You know, I think his highest has been high A, something like that. So, you know, certainly there are some there are some guys that 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 may come up, but not anybody to me at least that screams, oh yeah, when this guy comes up, like we're going to have fantasy stock in this player. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough scene in San Diego, man. To be honest with you. Like I'm not a prospect guy, but I did like watching Graham Pauly play in the AFL. I'm like, there might be something there, but again, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to prospects. So it could be pure speculation. And he seems like, or at least if I'm a, if I'm building a team and I'm the Padres, I think I want Merrill Pauly, and Salas all to come like at the same time. It's like, let's not, what's the point in just like, you know, scatter plotting them There's yeah. to me, like let's start them at the same time and start this over. So like, what's the rush and uh, just let Cronenworth run out his contract and then bring Polly up type thing. Man, we're going to, we're going to have to trade something good. So if somebody takes on Cronenworth's contract, yeah. it's going to well, be call like the a... Rockies, call the Rockies. They're good for stuff like that. Ooh, they, they, they love crusty veterans. Let's yes. go. So I'm saying they'll give you a couple bags of balls and call it good. 
So see where it goes there. Last question I have for you. What are your expectations for 2024? Let's assume they sign a couple pieces to help. Yeah. Uh, not, not a playoff team, unfortunately. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, the Dodgers, you know, basically have the division wrapped up already. Yep. It's yeah, I'm just so sick. Like, oh yeah, this team's like amazing. Oh yeah, well let's just get Yamamoto and, and Otani too. Like yeah, screw the rest of us, right? Yeah, um, and you know, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you're pretty pumped too, man. The the young talent in Arizona is super fun, you know, mm-hmm. and, and frankly, you know, the reality is is windows can be really short. And like I said at the top, like the, the Padres pushed all their chips in. I frankly don't mind it. Like we've sucked anyways. Like yeah. why not go for it? Like I like having a GM, whether all his moves are good or not, like they're, they're certainly not. Um, some of these extensions have been ass. I mean, all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, I'd rather have somebody who freaking goes for it. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather have somebody who bluffs off all his chips than, you know, just sits there waiting for the nuts. I mean, that's what half of the GMs in the in, in MLB do. And, you know, that sucks. So at least we went for it. Uh, we didn't get there. Tough scene. And now we're going to have to pay hell for it for a couple of years with some of these crappy ass contracts. This Cronenworth, this Darvish, this Xander Bogarts. I mean, Jesus H. Christ, like find some money and resign Soto. Why don't you? But we didn't do that. So here we are uh, stuck. And and still, I think, you know, our, our roster is probably better than the Giants talents talent wise. But mm-hmm. I feel pretty strongly that the Giants will end up having a better record because for whatever reason. Uh, San Francisco. I mean, you guys just seem to uh, we pull magic out pretty consistently, and we do not. So yeah, we're, we're consistently mediocre. That's what yeah. we consistently do. Yeah. Uh, like when you're talking about, I'd I'd rather have a GM go for it. Like it's so frustrating the last few off seasons watching the all the money just go worthless. Like Mason, uh, Mason and I discussed it the other night, and it was I'd rather have the Giants either say we're rebuilding and just start like stop signing these veterans or go sign everybody because we have the money pick one of them there's yeah. like there's like in a wait like a waiting room right now just trying to figure it out and then ain't gonna cut it boys and girls so yeah, yeah i'm with you i'd at least be like as a Padres fan you said it well because not everybody has that perspective like you guys gave it a shot a lot of teams don't do that like at least you like think about it that place was rocking for a couple years down so yeah. Petco was rocking which hadn't happened in a long freaking time and uh, you have one of the best gift slash videos ever i actually showed up on my twitter feed again the other day of the Padres beating the Dodgers and the Padres fan flipping off the Dodger fan, one of the best things you could ever see. It was like oh, so good, like, so good. Yeah. I felt that. I felt that in my bones. You know, that like, I felt. So I felt so good for you guys because you guys are kind of like the stepchildren forever in the Bay, like in, in Southern California. And yeah. right time, you guys had your moment to be like, "Hey, get out of the way." <laughs> like, so, yeah. But all right, we'll wrap it up there. Before we take off, my friend, let everybody know where they can find you. What you got going on? Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, don't do a ton of content these days, uh, taking care of little kids and, you know, just trying to prioritize prioritize that. Uh, the Rio Minwe Poker Podcast, if, if you guys like poker, check that one out. Uh, it's been on a little bit of hiatus during football season, but it's actually coming back uh, really soon, like soon after the Super Bowl. So I'm excited to get that going again. Um, obviously, the Gilcast on the Rotor Grinders Podcast Network. And then you can, uh, yeah, just... Find me not really adding much value, just posting a lot of GIFs really on Twitter. Um, you know, I decided quite a while ago that I'm not going to take Twitter too seriously. And I think that's a pretty sharp move, but you can follow me there at Sammy Reed FI. Yeah, the gift game is Sammy's got a strong gift game, especially if you know Sammy and the sarcasm meter that he brings to the table. 
gift games real strong real strong Thanks, I'm a fan. <laughs> that's, a, that's, uh, a, that's a strong compliment for me like there, there's yeah. Not many things I would be rather rather be good at. So it's I'm a very big sarcastic asshole, but I bite my tongue on Twitter. It's not, and you like will throw the thing out there. I'm just like, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is what I'm here for. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. Again, check them out on Twitter. Check out the gifts, all the fun stuff. And if you like poker, check out the Weed em and Read em and Weep podcast. You will not regret it. But uh, Sammy, thanks for joining, my friend. Always appreciate it. Appreciate it, brother. All right, everybody. Suspension Bubba, episode 652. Your Padres season preview. Catch y'all next time.